Welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, a show about weirdos, with your hosts, John Fahey, Aaron Peter, and Matt Brutzow. Hello folks, welcome to Profiles in Eccentricity, it's a show about weirdos, doggone it. My name is John Fahey. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> joining me as ever, prettiest boy under the sun, most gorgeous hypervert, master of hyperversion, a high-functioning pervert. I want my high-functioning pervert, Aaron Joseph Pita. How are you, Aaron? Uh, great. I, uh, uh, I'm doing wonderful. I just got my PhD in perversion. Oh, That's so wow, cool. Yes. yes, thank you. You're a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> uh, and now I'm going for my postdoc in perversion. That's hmm. great. So just, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot of reading yeah. uh, of, you know, your 120 days of Sodoms. Hmm. To his right, my left, <laughs> another gorgeous man, Mr. Matt Brousseau, everybody. Hi, thank you. Oh, I've been reading about you. you you're no <laughs> slouch yourself mm-hmm. when it comes to perversion. you and all that. <laughs> <laughs> Decent posture. Posture of perversion. Yeah, your posturing ah. is what you're doing. Your yeah, posturing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Posturing yeah, yeah, yeah. is a pivot. Yeah. 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 Um, I uh, I think uh, our last Patreon will be out by this point. We're gonna um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna share a very special uh, porno clip with you guys. I'm excited about. Uh, That's in the Patreon. Yes, yes, and I think we also took questions. Yes, yes. questions and um, a little uh, John McAfee update. So if uh, you're, I was just gonna share a John McAfee update too. Wonderful. I'm, no, it's a team effort. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if uh, if uh, if you guys aren't subscribed to the Patreon, get involved with that. Look up Profiles and Eccentricity Patreon. And subscribe because there's a whole other extra show there that you yeah. can listen to. All and the if time. you pay money, I'm real close to taking my shirt off. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, that's totally ethical. Here's my secret: my shirt's always on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I uh, I'm really excited about today's show because um, I think we're kind of doing something that's a little bit more um, profiling, kind of the unprofilable. We're talking about kind of like uh, hard, hard to, hard to. Uh, 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 Document uh, tribes and stuff like that in in, uh-huh. in remote islands. Yes, and yes. Things like that. We, me and Matt started talking about the the guy that was that was killed trying to yeah spread Christianity. Spread Christianity to you know people that were like get your germs out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know germs Christianity. So. Spreads yeah. like a virus. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he was killed, um, and then you know so you were made aware of the of this this island where uh, India has pretty fierce protection laws about yes. Um, you leave know, these people alone. Leave them alone. Yeah. Um, and I started thinking about kind of the opposite of that, uh, which is the cargo cults. Yes. Which is wonderful. what I, I want to talk about. Um, first time I heard about car- cargo cults was from my old uh, boss, Alan, this guy I really love. And um, he was talking about the mythology that would, that would spring up in these, you know, tribal islands after, uh, you know, somebody would, would have a, you know, uh, like a plane breakdown or, you know, like, like a, a boat would be nearby and need to kind of fix their engine. And then they would, you know... Have a relationship with the islanders, right? And, and the, then all this mythology would spring up around it. And then during the Second World War, of course, 
you've got full-scale invasions. Right. But right. the Allies and the Japanese... Um, and, and it's probably worth explaining what a cargo cult is and why they're called that, right? Right, right. Well, we're going to get into okay. that. So the cargo cults basically would see these people, they would, you know, be living like a, you know, like a very tribal, primitive kind of lifestyle. Hunter-gatherer, perhaps. Yes, and uh, and they would, you know, then have um, a, a Western visitor stop at the island and, and they They'd would... leave all their shit around. They would leave all their shit and then they would feel like it was... Um, they would kind of reconcile these vast differences between these people and themselves by saying they would create like a dream myth. And it was right. saying that they were... Um, they came I, from the sky. Right. But also their ancestors had sent them. Right. They, they, they brought it back to their uh-huh. religion. It's the actual phrase cargo cult is really a Western term where it's like, look how much these primitive savages love our shit. And it's actually not about that at all. Of course. It's really about... Um, like, uh, you know, these fantastic things happened, and now we have to adjust to a new reality right. that these things exist, and we have to reason it out of our own right. past mythology. Right. We, you know, uh, we have to integrate it right. into our existing mythology. Yeah, because you have tr- you tribal elders and things like that, and they're supposed to have all the answers, and like, hey... Explain this, dickhead. Right, right, right. <laughs> like know? global warming is God's punishment for gays. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Ah, Even right, though right, the right. hotter it gets, the less clothes they wear. Ooh, ooh boy. So uh, there was like a, some of the first uh, what they would call cargo cults were around you know Papua New Guinea and Fiji, but the the the. Uh, the most kind of documented and long-lasting ones to this day were in the Melanesian Islands off Australia, uh, in particular this island called uh, Vanuatu. And the society there before was uh, what they called a, like a big man political system. And the idea was that you had more currency as an individual the more you had to give, right? right. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the less you had to give, if you were, you know, they would... They would uh, you know, there's obviously like kind of a middle class in there where you're like, you got some stuff, but then there's some guy that just has like a bunch of turds or whatever. You know, he's just got a bunch of turds. <laughs> yeah, or you know, he doesn't have much to give, and he would, the, you, he would be considering shit. He would, yeah, be, he would be considered a, a rubbish man. Yeah, a rubbishman. Uh, yeah, a rubbishman, and nobody wants to be a rubbishman, right? Everybody wants to be the big man with the most to give. So then, what would happen was when the Westerners would come and then be like, "Hey, my plane's you know fixed. Here's a bunch of shit." They would kind of be cucking these islanders by giving them all this stuff, then taking off. Right. The Westerners would have this like value dominance right. in their culture. Um, so that was also part of it was that you know the the biggest man was the one who left, and now you felt indebted to him. Uh huh. Does that make sense? Uh, dead. <laughs> you know. Uh, it was well, yeah. A lot. And, uh, you know, part of it is in a lot of these cultures, perhaps at uh, the Vanuatu. I don't know. Uh, the stuff is a burden. Having yeah, personal yeah. shit, you, know, you got to carry it around. A lot of places didn't have permanent settlements, right? Right. And so, uh, and then there's also just kind of their culture of quasi egalitarianism that it's a bad look to have all this shit while the people around you have none. So that's well, why I you're mean, like obligated, but to not get. really as much in this big man system, right? Because that was still kind of a competitive economic. It, it was actually an economic system, right? Of course. And it was there was a hierarchy there. So is that also is that Easter Island? I, I feel like the name the name sounds so familiar. Yes, it does. I don't, I'm not. Yeah. I can't pinpoint it. Um, I don't think it is. Okay. Because uh, they had big heads. Right. Big right. Man. Big, big men. Yeah. Man. Probably hmm. buried underneath. Presumably. Yes. There's bodies under there. You know that. Well, there's just one. They're full. They're full bodies. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, statues what? are not just heads. They're buried underneath. They have full, full-on bodies and legs. Right. But they push the island down. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're so disappointed. Yeah. Well, their shoulders hold it up. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's like the opposite of Atlas. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, one, one of these guys, apparently, it's like a tribal elder, um, you know, he, uh, he obviously meets some kind of Westerner, and he starts the, the John Frum cargo cult, right? And that, they think, is, is like a... <laughs> It came down from John from America. Yes. Right? Yeah. But he's not John from at all. He's another islander like everybody else, but he shows up in the Western clothes. He's got all this shit, and he's like got all this mythology about the Western world and stuff like that. So that's the thing is that like they're importing all of this knowledge about America and the West. And, um, you know, uh, then there's another Tom Navy cult. Tom Navy. Tom Navy. That's another. And so yes. there's people on Vanuatu that followed the John from people and people that followed oh, the Tom Navy people. God. Yeah. Um, and so, they they uh, they were uh, like called like Tana people, and uh, they had a, a, a kind of uh, like a like a like a Tana army, and uh, they would they would do like these mock um, uh, drills and marches because when the soldiers were on there and they had all this shit and there was all this this uh, relationship with these these people that would then leave, um, this is what they saw them do. Right. So after they left, they built mock airstrips. Yep. Lined them with torches. Yeah. They had people doing the air traffic control signals. Uh-huh. They had people up oh in God. in uh, in makeshift radio towers with coconut headphones. Yes. Yes. Right. And and, and for the navy people, they were all like butt fucking each other <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. in a fake yeah. submarine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And uh, they uh, they would they would drill with you know sticks or rifles that were left over from you know the soldiers that were there. And uh, this was this was also one of the things that like because I learned about cargo cults uh, through um, uh, was it history's mysteries the one with uh, Spock. I don't know. In search of, okay. in search of with Leonard mm-hmm. Nimoy, mm-hmm. right? Old seventies, late late seventies, early eighties TV show. Yeah, and that's where I learned about these cargo cults. I, m- I remember seeing the grainy footage of them like making you know makeshift planes on a on a whatever out of, out of straw. Yeah, the planes were were life size, full to, size, two scale. Yeah, made out of straw. Didn't of course didn't fly. Right, and so uh, so <laughs> I mean, the idea that you the the Westerner would come back there and be like, hey, these guys got an airport since I left, and then yeah. they they get down there and they're like, holy shit, what are that, all these that, bodies. That, doing? That, <laughs> that guy, that guy up in the tower, just says coconut on his head. <laughs> like I mean, uh, it's Gilligan's Island. It was really quite a scene that it gave. Uh, this is when like ancient alien people like lost their shit. Because they were like, see, if they're doing this, this is why we do that. Right, this is how we get the pyramids. Yeah. This is, aliens like, came down with pyramids, then they left, and we were like, we got to build, build pyramids. pyramids. And then we were never able to. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then so, Stargate came out. Yes, right. Right, yeah. I mean, um, so the thing is, is that like people are kind of like split over the analysis of the phenomenon. Like People are like... You know, the Westerners think it's all about stuff and giving your people stuff. And in some ways, people think that there is kind of a scam going on by the spiritual elders um, to, to, to kind of like grift off what just happened by accident. But it's also you're explaining to people how these things are so shocking based on the ancestral and mythological past that they have. Right. Breaking it to them gently that there's these crazy, scary things out there in the world. But there's also like a, a current of their own kind of uh, philosophy and religion that runs throughout it. Like, everything they took from the West always comes back to them. 
They make it right. They, right. They the still, reason that we we line these strips with torches is because it fits into our existing narrative about X, Y, and Z, like how the Romans they you know stole a bunch of Greek mythology and kind of fit it into their own shit. Right. Yeah. But they are also like. Uh, a lot of people believe that it's not really so much about the stuff. Like, the stuff would help people, and that would be great. And that was a gift from their ancestors would send them the Westerners that would give them the stuff. Uh-huh. Right? It all came back to them. But also, a lot of people were saying that it was really mostly important for them to forge the relationships. Were much more important than getting the stuff. You know? That the relationships between the each we- other. The West. Oh. The okay. West and them. Yeah, they, they, were, uh, they were more into that. Um, so there's, there's all this different stuff going on. Like they don't understand the manufacturing process. So they'd be like, well, there must be a spiritual answer for this gift. And And if we reenact it, maybe we will somehow connect better. We will summon more. Right. More will come. Well, I mean, it's pretty standard. If there's someone on the ground with, uh, lights and, uh, waving flashing cones at you, you're going to land a plane there. Yeah. When all that was going on during the war, that happened, right? There was airdrops. Right. Now there's no more war. All the, you know, the Japs and, and the Americans. Yes. You can call them Japs. And, uh, you can call them Japs. <laughs> you could, if you wanted. I don't. I don't. But, yeah, you're the one saying Papua New Guinea. Jesus Christ. But the, it, it, is, it is Mama New Guinea. It's very standard uh, of any person or any animal, anything that sees something happen 50 times. Yeah. You figure, I do that. I'll do it again. Yeah. I'll make, I, you, know, you associate the, a behavior with a result. It's what separates us from the whales. Oh, right. So the, the, well, the, because a whale is always <laughs> consenting. Right. The yeah. whale, uh, you know, that big. Yeah, they have too much time spent consenting. <laughs> um, the charismatic leaders, that would be, you know, after the war, they, they would have to, you know, say, like, don't worry, like, there's going to be more. They're going to drop more uh, peanut butter. <laughs> right. Um, and then the, the, the little aside in this, they were saying, they're promising people there will be more things dropped, like uh, food and arms and jeeps, etc. It's like jeeps. What the fuck are they doing with jeeps? Well, arms, food, jeeps. <laughs> All right. What? Sure. You figure it out. Coke bottles. <laughs> so yeah, um, they would uh, they would do all this stuff and um, what what I find most sorry, I'm just very interested by this. So I'm sorry I'm interrupting, but. I love that even in uh, even in the most remote, uh, you know, locales with uh, totally like isolated cultures, it's still such human nature mm-hmm. to integrate some f- totally foreign uh, uh, culture, happenstance, technology, whatever, into your own mythology. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. G- well, what happens if you don't? Then your entire world falls down. Right. 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 No, I get it. And and it's in, it, it behooves the people in power. It, it, you know, they have an incentive to make it fit their own narrative. Yeah. Right. So, but also like like when these guys first show up, like they show up. Even the Japanese would show up and be like friends and be like, "You're our host on the island," and like, "Here's some here's some things." And they were, Give us your women. They were no, but they were they no. were they were like a peaceful, you know, they had a peaceful interaction and it was like, you know, show us around, can you help us? Here's some of our shit. Right. And there was a mutually beneficial thing. No round eyes came around here, did they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they they had a, you know, a, a rapport and like that's how I said, like it was really more about the relationship than it was really just like give me this stuff, which is how westerners characterized 
um, or even just like you know whatever the broad civilized world. How Westerners projected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but so there was you know there was like a, a, a fair a fair deal to it. You know, it was it was like a partnership, and they were like, well, this is great, and this is shocking to us, but. We're clearly we clearly have like a relationship that is based on kindness right, right now. Like uh, there wasn't really the right kind now. Well, there, there, and even thereafter, it seemed like there was no subjugation because they held such awe. Well, we're too for... busy subjugating of these Japs over in California. <laughs> right, right. Well, we got, we got they're on a stopgap to a place where we're going to subjugate right. other yeah. people. Mm-hmm. So yeah. right, right. when we come back, you guys are fucked. Yeah, yeah. we got. <laughs> I was like, all the subjugators are in California. Wait till they get yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, you gotta tune your coconuts, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your coconuts are all discombobulated. You got the left nut on the right nut. You fucking idiot. Yeah, we gotta get the engineers in here. But one of my favorite things is, so you have the Tom Navy movement, right, Vanuatu. You have the John Frum America movement. John, John Frum. Frum. And it's like John F-R-U-M. Is what I am it John Frum. John yeah. Frum, mm. you know. And uh, then there's uh, the Prince Philip movement. Right, Prince Philip is the uh, the beau of the queen. Prince Philip. Uh, so is Prince Albert. Not not Prince Philip of Spain. Prince Philip of uh, yeah yeah the, the Duke of you, yeah uh, you know whatever whatever it is. yeah. So <laughs> we we'll clearly do our research on this show. Oh, we know about we know about our coconuts. <laughs> so after after they see um, the respect given to Queen Elizabeth II by the royal authorities on the island when uh, when when Queen Elizabeth visits, they go, "Oh man, this guy fucking her must be the the most uh, a god." And right? this is on the what islands on Vanuatu, on, yeah. right, right, right. So he comes there. They both come in there. The couple comes there. Right in the fifties, sixties, right? They visit. Okay, okay, okay. And and uh, they the 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 people are just like watching this from afar, and they're seeing these guys that they already think are, are heaven sent, then kind of bow and, to this woman and tremble to this woman, and then they immediately go, "Oh, that well, guy, the guy must the guy must be a huge day. He must be Papua New Guinea. Yeah, he must he must be Papua New Guinea. So so." So they start this cult that he's a deity around around Prince Philip, Great. and this guy named John Champion is there later, and he sends word. He's like, "Hey, man, do you know that they're like obsessed with you over there in uh, you know Vanuatu?" And he's like, "No, I didn't know." And he goes, "You should send them like a portrait, you know." And and Prince Philip sends back a uh, autographed picture, and um, they send him picture. <laughs> they send him something back. So they send funny. they send him a traditional pig killing club. Oh, called a nal nal. They send him a traditional, traditional, of not course. one, not a modern. No, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. A traditional pig killing club called a nal nal. Prince Philip takes a picture with it, sends that picture back. Oh my God! The chief is keeping all of the pictures. Yes. And in 2000, he sends another picture, probably wait, with the wait. club again. Prince Philip. In the year two. Th- in the year 2000. Is because it takes 30 years for these clubs and pictures to make it it's back. It's time travel. Forth. No, they're just they have they haven't given up on it. This, oh my. this still exists. Okay, so in 19... 19- John Frum still exists. Tom oh. Navy still exists. Oh. The Prince Philip movement still exists. Oh my good lord in heaven. Yeah. And so in 2000, please go... 2000, can- he sends another picture. Uh, Chief Jack Nava. Jack. Jack Nava, that's probably a corruption of John Navy or whatever. <laughs> They're the Protestants. Yes, yes. Probably is. Uh, he kept all three pictures close. I'm sure he died in 2009. Um, in 2007, Channel 4 
favorite of BBC? mine. Yeah, no, Channel Four was the one that started Ali G's show. Oh right, Garth yeah. Marenghi's Dark Place, Trigger Happy, like oh, some right. of the best reporting and comedy in British television. Channel Four is absolutely incredible. They're very closely aligned with the Guardian and the. Observer. God, just so they got an easier system over there, huh? BBC One, BBC Two, BBC Three, and yeah. Channel Four. Yeah. Uh, they they broadcast a program called Meet the Natives, where four Tana men uh, met Philip in Britain, uh, and Philip, you know, which is really cool, had the class to meet them off camera. Um, well, he beat them to death with the pig club. Well, I believe he crashed his car right near them, so he just yeah. got out and. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that a fucking trip, man? Oh my god, the like the, the multi generational pen pal uh, is wonderful. Yeah, I mean, like, oh, you sent me this club. Here's me with the club. Yeah, you're a god, and you're, we get... you're you're just you're just banging the queen. The queen is far more powerful. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> like, like you're just some guy. duke. They don't know what the fuck. Well, I mean, you know, it's well, it's also it, in a weird way. It's like. um you know the the uh, Virgin of Guadalupe, or or you know people worship the Virgin Mary. Right. Hey, we all know Jesus Christ is the Messiah, Lord and Savior. But hey, how about the lady that birthed this guy? Right, what about right. her? Yeah. So there's always like there's always you know um, these kind of like ancillary characters in any mythology. Like man, we everyone knows Jesus Christ is amazing, but what about his mom? Right. And, and oh, what about his hooker wife? What about his oh. who has the same name? Wait, what? <laughs> Martha. Oh, hey. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's it's very, very, uh, very human to do those things, even even, yes, even in absolutely. a totally removed from Western civilization. There is a tendency to associate greatness with people who are surround who surround the the iconic figure. Right. Yeah. But I mean, can you imagine the Queen seeing these fucking guys showing up and be like, they send oh, you the club. Oh, you're the big you're the big man, huh? Yeah. Cool. Well. I mean, but she also, probably can't lift it. You know? It's also it's a heavy club. <laughs> it's also human nature for uh, probably her to go. Yeah, the, well, that's because they're savages. <laughs> right, right, yeah, but that's why they like she you. Probably, the right, she, yeah. she probably likes it because it keeps him happy. That's probably yeah. that, yeah. he's got nothing to do. <laughs> Other than crash cars. Yeah. Very wonderful, Philip. Your your biggest fans are the savages. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go govern the largest wealthy landowning family in the world. Anyways. <laughs> yes. Yes. Have you won any over from the Tom Navy faction? Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. As you go play with your basically living figurines, I I am going to go I'm going govern to. the most powerful uh, empire the world has ever seen. Anyways, My white have fun for that. No. <laughs> I expect cunnilingus when I return. <laughs> I demand. And bring the club. Well, maybe that's, you know, maybe he's just really good at cunnilingus and they uh, they heard it. Yeah. You yeah. Know, sound moves out there. It was multi-cunnilingual. <laughs> hmm. I love I love stuff like that. Uh, I, I do too. And the thing is, is that like I'm saying, like I, you know, it's they're hard to document because a lot of the, a lot of the the rituals associated with the you know the cults, whatever you know, I, it is kind of derogatory to call them cults, right? Um, yes. But they are they are hidden from you know kind of Western eyes. They're they're very private. They go deeper into the jungle to do a lot of the stuff associated with it. So it is hard to document. Yes. Um, much in the same way with uh, Matt's.
Matt, do you have matter. something related to this? Yeah, well, so, um, um, well, I mean, you mentioned uh, Jack, John, and the from where that missionary went, uh, the, he was in a place called... The missionary the, that was murdered. Missionary that was murdered. I, I don't feel like it was murder. Well, yeah, I mean, I always call killing murder. Sure, sure. I feel like it was, he you was know... Ki- he was killed. I feel like just God was just, you know, Jesus was like, I don't want well, not now, this which, one. Are you, which, which God are you talking about? Mm. To, uh, Tom Navy or, <laughs> or uh, no, John the, the, the American, The American missionary. The American guy, he shows, Jesus. He shows up on an island where uh, uh, no one wants him and he doesn't belong. And then they, uh, they... These uh, motherfuckers don't know about Christ! Yeah, they put some arrows in him. <laughs> well, you know, you gotta learn from the Spanish and bring a, a whole army. Right. Mm. And, you know, you win. And horses. Well, then you don't, you don't need Jesus. You get a whole army. Ha <laughs> um, Jesus is the army. But, but that area is the, uh, that area is, is the uh, uh, Andaman Islands. Uh, Andaman. Uh, A-N-D-A-M-A-N. Okay. All uh, part of India. Though it's it's in the Bay of uh, the Bay of Bengal or uh, uh, in the in the eastern area, it's actually closer to, to Thailand than huh. it is India, but it's part of the uh, part of India. And uh, there was a man in 1858. Uh, a man from those islands was abducted by a British survey vessel. They stole him away, snatched him, snatched him. They called him Jack. Huh. They, they took pictures with him, and then immediately he got sick. So they brought him back to the island with some quote-unquote gifts oh, and no. threw him back on the... Uh, they put him in a boat and pushed him back to the island with some clothes and everything. Well, what would that mean? Were they actually gifts? Because they, they didn't well, like, have germ theory They gave him, back like, then. clothes and coconuts and, like, you know... Which he used his head for. Right. The Beats course. by Dre. Very important. <laughs> coconuts by Dre. But, you know, here, here's the thing is that, that, that I'm always... Well, not always. Oh, yeah, you're always forgiving of the white man? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Absolutely not at all. White people have done horrible... Hor- well, people in general have done horrible, horrible things, but, like... You know the whole the the smallpox blankets right. thing was is kind of hey Lord a, Jeffrey Amherst that's uh, there's a whole town and uh, college named after Massachusetts oh very good yeah huh. yeah he was the inventor of the smallpox he blanket. Well, he was a prominent user of it really we'll say right like it they didn't have germ theory back then so they I don't right. think they didn't know they didn't know that like. This shit has the stuff that makes us sick and that we don't get they sick They just knew from... that they got sick. Right, right, right. I, I think, if anything, when they picked up Jack and he got sick, they probably said, see, he's a savage. He can't handle it. If anything, oh, they, yeah, they, 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 it definitely um, uh, confirmed their supremacy in their mind. It, yeah, well, anytime there is, like, you know, like a Westerner that goes to Africa and they meet, like, a native... You know, they're they, drinking water out of ponds, and they're they, fine. But they both they both think each other smell like shit. Right. Yes, but yes. They, they're both like, fuck, oh, what the Jesus, fuck is wrong with you? But they also both want to fuck each other's women, because mm. they're maniacs, men in general. Right. Uh, but let's, let's not forget, white people, white, white, you know, Europeans, when they, they got syphilis, they didn't, when they came to the United States. Right. Not the United States, um, the Americas. <laughs> right. So it, they were also inferior. Right. Because they had never, the syphilis didn't exist in Europe. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So there I was a trade of diseases. Right. Yeah. And it was a very even outcome. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we both had germs, but Europe had guns and steel. Right. Yeah. So we can thank the Native Americans for taking down Al Capone. 
<laughs> they invented income tax? <laughs> no, the syphilis. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. Maybe and, the, clap, and then, then they all know. started yeah. wearing wigs. There's a whole. There's con- a I'm sure there's a whole connections episode we could mm-hmm. do on this. Right, right. How the conquest of the new world syphilis. led to wigs. Income in, tax. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Co- uh, listen, I don't know a lot about a lot. <laughs> but, That's why you're here, baby. But I do... <laughs> But I do know that people in the past knew less than I did. Yes. And uh, people today. People today. Mm-hmm. And also, many people know more than I do. How about that? Well, that's mighty noble of you. Um, thank you. That's what I wanted wanted to hear. So, so they, anyways, they gave this guy some they coconut gave, they, headphones they, 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 full of yeah, syphilis. Yeah, yeah. And they put him in a boat, they pushed him back to the island. And he gets there. All the, the his his fellow uh, tribesmen or, or whatever um, they come up. They they run up, and uh, they take the gifts and everything. He takes off his clothes. Oh no! You know, and uh, he now he's back to normal. Is you know, and I don't. No one knows if he lived or not. Huh. But it was it was it's an you know he he shows up. They the Westerners dress him up in everything they have. He gets sick. They shove him off right. as soon as he gets back. He, he takes sheds it all. He sheds, sheds it, it all off. There, because there's many, many accounts of uh, Westerners escaping to what they would call "quote unquote" savage cultures, like the dances with wolves thing, right. sure. the Avatar, the Avatar thing. thing yeah. But there is never any account, yeah, of an indigenous person yeah. leaving <laughs> yeah. to join Western society. Yeah, on, like on purpose. On yeah, purpose, yeah. 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 Because yeah. it sucks. Yeah. It's too much work. You got to yeah. shower and wear frilly clothes. And well, well, also, you get treated like shit. You get, you have, <laughs> yes, you get treated like shit. Yeah. It's, and it, it, it's just a much more, uh, you know, humane way of living to a degree. Uh, right. So, I mean, do we, I mean, uh, is there any presumption that maybe he kind of told, a, like, a horror story to his, his friends well, once he returned? Well, uh, no, not necessarily. But, so that area of islands, I'm going to get into that now. And uh, because... The Bay of Bengal. Because of this uh, idiot missionary, uh, there was a wonderful thread on Twitter from this man uh, at Respectable Law. His name is Respectable Lawyer. Knows, no one knows his, name his or her real identity. But it's respectable. But he pointed me to a uh, a character that I'm going to cover. Okay. Uh, but I want to go a little bit about like the background of that island. Okay. And that area. So that island is an island that is off of uh, uh, the the Andaman Islands. So there's this one port. There's a port in there where everything is is based, where India and and for a while when Britain owned India, <laughs> uh, I, just, I don't know if that's the right phrase. Um, it was part of the Commonwealth. Ba- ba- yeah. Uh, they established a port there in 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 uh, the Andaman Island, the Greater Andaman Island, and then this island is broken into three parts. Uh, there's a north, a middle, and a south. Port Blair is in the southern area. Uh, is mainly inhabited by uh, the uh, Jarawa, J A R A W A, the Jengal, uh, which they basically went extinct by 1920, mm. and the Greater Andamanese. There were like ten groups of tribes. They just made them the Greater. Now, now, this island the man went to is slightly to the southwest of this larger island. And this is in, are we still talking 18-somethings? Or are we, are we talking well, about... Just, this is just ge- geography. Okay. So the North Sentinel Island was where the missionary went. This is an island that, where the Sentinelese live and has, has basically had almost no contact with the outside world for the last, you know, 60,000 years or how, however Jesus long. Jesus Christ. And even further south is another island called the Little Andaman, and this is where the Ongi live, 
And they are so separate in so many ways. The Angi, their dialect and uh, uh, their, voca- their language can be understood by the, the people in the greater Andaman Islands. But the North Sentinelese have been so isolated that none of these languages on any of these islands are, is able to interact with them. Right. So it's just something to, to consider. So here, here are the incidents of all of the times that people have interacted with North Sentinel Island. Uh, 1880, 1981, the Primrose, a cargo ship, ran aground uh, on the coral reefs out there. After a day, the, uh, the, uh, they were waiting for help, and they, noted, they noticed that the people on the island started, were building boats and acting in menacing ways, and they radioed for guns to be sent to them so they could fend them off. So instead, I think the Indian government brought just like transport helicopters and picked everybody off. And then after that, you can still see this ship in, in Google Maps. It is decaying. Huh. Really? And all of the tribesmen went onto the ship and basically took whatever they could. Uh, and you know, the respectable lawyer makes a, a really interesting point when he says, just imagine what it was like for these tribesmen who have had zero contact with the outside world for the most part. And they come on this ship, and there's all these things they maybe they recognize or are satisfied by, like a you know a steering wheel, you know, or, or a hammer, or a screwdriver, and it just seems like it's an interesting, but you know, rough, smooth machined surfaces right. that don't exist in nature otherwise. Because forever, what they would do is 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 flecks of iron or destrous would would wash up on their shores, and they would make things out of it. Right. Yeah. So they weren't unfamiliar with iron, but this grand ship would be something that right was, or you know the the harley davidson topless model calendar <laughs> right right yes but as far as smooth machinery just a real quick thing that was one thing i didn't say was the one of the one of the the uh one of the groups that was a, a cargo cult they started doing stuff that in a more western way and they even had a unit of currency and the currency was equal to one fully carved boar's tusk that was considered like the gold standard. Yes, boar's tusks. The boar's tusk standard. Are, th- yeah. This will come up later. This is, the boar's tusks are are, are are a huge thing. Yeah. Um, but that was a, considered a finished machine mm-hmm. polished tool, right? Right, right. To- bone is, uh, you know, I think pound for pound, stronger, lighter, more durable than steel. Hmm. And so, so that's why it's valuable. Uh, something that is interesting. That Teeth are bone, it, John. <laughs> they sure are. They are. Uh, that was pointed out by a respectable lawyer, uh, was that after the, the last giant um, uh, tsunami that swept through India uh, and that whole area, uh, the Indian government went to check on the island and they flew helicopters over. And when they did, they, they filmed it and the Sentinelese came out and shot arrows at them. And, uh, but when they filmed them, they noticed that they had what looked like you know knives that they might not have had before. So they had salvaged the ship right. and taken things off of it and, and yeah. to make... Uh, weapons or, you know, whatever. And yeah. and that ship crashed when? Eight, uh, 1981. Okay, so it's a, they've, they've kept these items for 30 years. Yeah. Or, 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 or they fashioned them out of parts they... Or they re- re- yeah, recreated them yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So that was... Uh, so the, the Primrose was 1981. Uh, 1975, the King of Belgium decided that, he, you know, in the very... Uh, Belgi- Typically Belgian, Belgian fashion, way. He yeah. decided he wanted to see what the island was all about. And uh, they got their boat rather close to it, and uh, the Sentinelese came out and uh, 
and and gave them menacing gestures and and one of one of the one of the men even uh, he wound up his bow to fire at him and someone noted the king was quite pleased by the show. Really? Uh, look, look at these savages uh, pretending they have the dynamic range to shoot 400 yards. 400 <laughs> yards? And, uh, and, <laughs> and, and a British accent. Oh, look, they're pissed. Everyone, oh, they're in, abs- every, everyone in Europe speaks with a British That's, accent. Oh, and ancient Rome. You ever noticed yes, that? Yes, yep. And there's uh, among this, there's a data I, I, I misplaced about uh, an Indian uh, anthropologist. She she was actually able to make direct contact and hand them coconuts. And this is one of the only times there was a friendly really? back and forth. And I forget the year. She but handed them coconuts. Yes, they yes. don't have any on the island. Well, coconut, you know, it's a, it's in in the these Andaman Islands. You show up and you give people coconuts, and it, it, it's a very it's a it's a gesture of goodwill. Yeah, is that. Specifically, the case there, or just generally anywhere. I mean, I like, think I if think someone go, did that, my apartment, coconut. Yeah, if someone showed up my apartment with a coconut, I'd be like, hey. "This is a good move." All right. Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. I needed some headphones. <laughs> <laughs> I just broke. In 1974, a film crew for the documentary "Man in Search of Man" they showed up to uh, you know in search of uh, quote unquote savages and primitives. Uh, they showed up to leave gifts, and when they got to the shore. All of a sudden, these came out and shot arrows at him. Jesus and uh, there's a story of what the, the director was hit in the thigh with an arrow, and the man who shot him laughed and then went over and sat down under a tree. <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> that was very sad. You. Uh, I'm going to enjoy a bit of shade now. <laughs> I've done my part. <laughs> I'm going to listen <laughs> to the hottest new track by DJ. Tom Navy. I'm guessing you hear the ocean. Yeah, if you put, put your, but if you put your ears on the coconut, you hear the ocean. Very calming. Uh, uh, 1876. Songs of the whale. <laughs> 1896. A Hindu uh, convict escaped jail, and he fled in a boat, and he landed on the island, and Uh-oh. and oh his body was found full of arrows, and his throat was cut. Oh my God. 18... Yeah, so much for the noble savage, Hobbs. <laughs> but also, I mean, you know, did this start because that one guy came back and got everybody really sick? Maybe they hate Western. But that hap- that didn't happen on the Sentinelese Island. Ah, oh, I see. Okay. How dare you misisland these islanders? But there was an event. So, the, so whatever. The, the 1771 first recorded instance uh, a survey vessel, the Diligent, is going by and they notice that there's fires on there. That's the first ever recorded instance of, of this island in, in 1771, our mm-hmm. a vessel is crossing the Sentinelese Islands, and mm-hmm. they see a fire. They see a fire on the beach. And they go, what the fuck? And they just go, oh, there's a fire on the beach. Okay. They, they make note of it okay. as a survey vessel. Got it. Vessel. But, so why might these people uh, be upset with all these? Well, we'll get into that. Because it involves, probably, this man named Maurice Vidal Portman. He's the grandson, of course, of Edward Berkeley Portman. Of course. A Viscount. <laughs> Politician, cattle breeder. Mm. It's a theme in mine lately. Uh, And he was the son of Maurice Berkeley Portman, a political figure in Canada West, which is what they called that area of Canada uh, before it was part of, before it became Canada and not part of England. (laughs) Yeah. It's too Uh, big. We don't know yet. Canada West. (laughs) He represented East Middlesex from 1861 to 1863. What a life that was. But anyway, March 21st. Middlesex. Middle, well, you know. Go on. <laughs> it's like middle gas. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. no, I, I'm just repeating the word. 1860, Perfect. March 21st, 1860, Canada West, Surrey. Uh, Maurice Vidal Portman is born. And uh, not a really exciting uh, young life. Hmm. Nothing, almost nothing is written about it even. Huh. Yeah. But at age 16 in 1876, he joins the Royal Indian Navy. And because uh, they're still part of Britain. And he ships out west or east, you know. Depending on which, the, whichever you, you yeah. way you want to view you it. You all end up in the same place. Yeah, you're going to get there. And in 1879, he's given the title Officer in Charge of the Endamanesec. Endamanesect. So basically, he's the officer of the Royal Indian Navy who is in charge of doing whatever with the Andamanese in Port Blair. Uh-oh. So in this whole area, they have what they call a clearing. And this is basically like they just set up shop. They give him a palatial mansion nice. where he then installs a dark room and a photography studio, and he goes about setting, uh, studying all of the people from the uh, Andamanese Island. Okay. Okay. So, and what, what time frame are we looking at here? 1880. Okay. So he's the photographer. He's the photographer, but he's also in charge of... Subjugating him however he wants. Yes. Fig- and, and figuring it out. Cataloging yeah. them and... The fun part of colonialism, you know? Ah, very exciting. Yes. So, you know, he, he, at times he lives with them. Um, he learns, eventually he learns up to four, like, around something like 14 dialects. Really? Jesus. Um, over his career, the Indian government gives him 13 honors uh, for so his he, work he's there. he's totally living with the Sentinelese and everybody? Well, he's the living in this mansion. He's living with them, you know, so he, he's back and forth. But he's you not know? the Sentinelese. These are... Are these the Sentinels? These are not the Sentinels. These are, okay. these are, it's on the Andaman Islands. Right. Which is near the Sentinelese. Okay. Please, get these get these facts right, John. I know that you're racist. No, no, no. Tell you're me, just very, very tell racist. Tell me which islands we're talking about here. So, so he's on the Andaman Islands. Okay. Andaman. But almost immediately, so in 1879, he's given the, the title of officer in charge. Almost immediately, January 1880, he decides, I'm going to go to that North Sentinelese Island. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. So, January, early January, he lands with the armed men, officers, convict orderlies, and trackers. Convict Shh. orderlies? You know, if they, if they have to arrest someone, someone has to be in charge of the people they arrest. Mm. So, oh, they're not, they're, uh, they're not orderly convicts. <laughs> no. They're convict orderlies. You're right. They're bailiffs, wardens. Right, yeah, right, but the right. British also did that later. Hey. Yeah. So, he, he, uh, when he gets to Australia. the he, uh, when he gets to the island, he finds paths and empty villages, and everything has been aban- abandoned. Does he know about the fire that was around about 80 years In, before that? Probably. He probably does. Okay. It, it, was, almost, it was over 100 years at this point. Probably said that on the boat ride. Isn't yeah. that crazy? That's 100 years before this guy got there taking pictures. That right. They heard about a fire on yeah, these right. islands. Yeah, you know, survey ships. So he's aware, you know, there's, right. he, knows that, he knows whatever the small history of it is. Uh, he rummages through their villages and ransacks their pig skulls and steals all their boar tusks. Because he's a kind of a jackass too. He ransacks their boar skulls and steals all their boar tusks. Come on, dude. Oh well, you just talked about how valuable it was. What the fuck? I mean, you got to know better than to <laughs> ransack the boar skulls. <laughs> and it, and in one mention, he says that there was a skeleton that was propped into like an alcove or or, or a, a part of a tree. Yeah, you know. So it's ooh, sc- yeah, you know, yeah. scary to Western trick or treat. Blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so he doesn't find anything, so he, he goes back, and then he, he goes back to Port Blair, and he returns in January 26, where he stays on the island for two weeks. 
And during this time, he comes across, he, as they're ser- constantly searching for people, they come across a woman and four children. And he abducts them back to the boat. Ugh. And then they rele- he, re- he releases them back with what he call- calls a quantity of presents. A quantity? A quantity of presents. Okay, so, so, so a, a bevy of gifts. In uh, essence, sure. Uh, a grip of shit. <laughs> a grip of shit. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, does, do we he doesn't say what the gifts does are. Does he? Yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> Does he say what They're he boar did? They're boar skulls. Did he... <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, half a boar skull. Don't tell other. anyone they're yours. <laughs> I found all these cool boar skulls. Oh, yeah, I, re- yeah, I yeah. re-gifted friends now. <laughs> uh, do, is there, are there any notes on what happened between abduction and release? No. Shocking. Hmm. He abducts, uh, abducts them, puts them back. But then he goes back a few days later, and this time he runs into an elderly couple with some children. Yikes. Uh, and this is what he writes about it. Our party was spread out in crescent form in the Jarawas. He calls them Jarawas because he doesn't have another name necessarily. I, These are that's, Jarawa yeah, tracks. Exactly. They're side by side. Well, it's like American Indians, right? Right, right. Stormtroopers walk single file to hide their numbers. And so he says, uh, Jarawas came to the center uh, with Lieutenant Hooper and I were. The old man had drawn his bow and was about to fire at Lieutenant Hooper uh, when my convict orderly, a pathan named Amirullah, Got behind the jar, was jumped on his back and spoiled his aim. We caught three unhurt and brought them on board the ship. Next day, we took the six jarwas to Port Blair, where I kept them in my house for some days. They sickened rapidly, and the old man and his wife died, so the four children were sent back to their home with quantities of presents. Huh. So you think this, okay, so this is 1880. He sickened and died in a number of days? The old man and the woman both died. Meanwhile, the children are okay. This is 1880. He sends them back. So, basically, one generation from now, someone could still be alive and say, remember when there's been a story passed down right. for the last 120 years, 140 years of our of our existence? Yeah. yeah. Of when this white guy showed up. Yeah. Took you to Gram- his, took Grandma you, died. Took yeah. you to his palace. Everybody smelled like shit. Yeah. <laughs> Grandma's dying. Uh, the coconuts suck. They they dress like <laughs> queers. <laughs> Frills, <laughs> stocking, <laughs> boots. You know what I'm talking about. Sure. Uh huh. Uh, don't act. Uh, listen. Don't act like all these island folk are super woke. They might. They might be homophobic. <laughs> Woke folk. They might be homophobic. <laughs> just, yeah, I think they have a number of problems. <laughs> yeah, they had a, and a quantity of gifts. <laughs> yeah. So that may they be, be what. shit talkers too. All right. All I'm saying is that they could be assholes. Yeah, expand on this. Yeah, these are saving you don't save this. These, these not islanders not aren't the most friendly people. They're shooting arrows and shit. They might be homophobes. You don't fucking know. <laughs> no, they're 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 white phobes. They're anybody folks. Yeah, they're anybody. They're phobic of everything. The only time people show up is when they abduct them. Yeah, that's horrible. Or they steal their board tusks. Yes. Yeah, grandpa dies and you go home with a bunch of shitty coconuts. And syphilis. (laughs) Which came from the United States. So that's the end of his story with the North Sentinelese. But but, but Maurice Vidal Portman, or as he called himself, M.V. Portman. Oh, MVP. Had a uh, a rich history over his twenty years with the Andamanese, and uh, so, like I said, in his mansion he installed a, uh, a photography studio and a dark room. Okay. Uh, because what he would do is he would catalog catalog 
as many antimonies as he could uh, could find, basically. He would have them line up. At one point, he said, well, I had 200 of them lined up to, to be measured. Duh. And he would also have a portable camera, which would, he would uh, have them carry around so they could take pictures of them. Uh, you know, and well, I mean, part of his idea is that he wanted to take pictures of them both in their natural habit, quote unquote, but also he had this whole style to it. And at the time, there were basically two types of anthropological photography and colonialism, and maybe even today. Uh, and this is uh, um, from uh, this uh, wonderful uh, uh, scholarly article from uh, uh, Sadaru, Sadatru Sen called Savage Bodies, Civilized Pleasures, where he talks about this, and he kind of breaks it down like, what the hell this guy was doing, this weirdness? And uh, there's two types of anthropological photography and colonialism. One, in which a photographer either does not recognize his or her intrusion into the picture and, or accepts the intrusive effect as unavoidable, uh-huh. and another in which the photographer is a self-conscious participant in what these pictures, in these pictures. Uh-huh. Now, uh, Portman was a little bit of both of these. He was a, basically, he colonially, he was a colonial ro- uh, romanticist. And so he would, qu- he would take what he, what he wrote as a new breed of savage, an object of fantasy and erotic contemplation that was neither a mythical cannibal nor a historical enemy. So he's taking these pictures. They didn't have those, like, you know, those, those big black frame glasses that with the hidden cameras, you could just send them in and nobody knows that you're video cameraing them. No. So he sends around a giant bread box. It was Victorian colonial erotic. <laughs> erotic. Yes. It's uh, it was quote unquote neither simul- it was simultaneously juvenile, asexual, and homoerotic. Okay. Huh. All right. See what I said? You see what I You're not proving a point to me. No, like I'm I, not, like I, I, I said. I know anything. that. I know that. So I'm gonna show you. I know. <laughs> it was simultaneously juvenile and homoerotic. Yes. Asexual juvenile Jesus and homoerotic. Fucking so, Christ. So These goddamn you, savages. They should be thankful. I mean, he's civilized the savage them, I swear okay. to God. So before I show you, like get, get into his pictures of specifically of them, there's two known pictures he took with them. And one of them he's sitting in a throne among them. He's sitting in a throne? Among them. Yeah. And the other one, he's standing among them like he's just like kind of part of the group, but he's also this white guy. Right. So, so here, here's a, here's a, I'm showing you, John, you can uh, maybe want to describe that a little bit. Okay, so we got uh, a couple of uh, um, kind of uh, priesty looking people uh, surrounding the, uh, the fella in the throne, and then uh, a bunch of the kind of uh, the tribes people um, in uh, like a kind of class photograph type scenario. And then we have one of him uh, just standing among uh, the regular uh, people. Uh, he's in kind of white robes, obviously far taller than them. Um, yeah, and, the average Andamanese is about uh, just a shade under five feet and tall. And he was all into measuring them, like purple Mm-hmm. Hey, Very much uh, like who, purple, purple And that's the thing, there's nothing gay or sexual about it. He's just curious. <laughs> well, it depends on what you measure. Okay, we got a bunch of guys dressed like the Zodiac Killer here. <laughs> Uh, these guys, these yeah. Now do your interpretation of yeah, it. Yeah. All right. All right. So top photo, I got I got the Knights Templar. This is him on his throne. I'm looking at the. They get some guys in the Knights Templar. Uh, and then you've got Colonel Mustard here mm-hmm. sitting on the. That's not a throne. It's more of a shitty chair. And then you've got the the baseball team, the little league team. Uh, and they have, all have no shirts on. Right. They're all dressed like um. That Japanese fella. 
Mishima. Mishima, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Mishima. And they're all except they're in exceptional shape. Mm-hmm. They, they are, are all in very good shape. But because on. there's a reason for that. Uh often uh colonial depictions of of these other people would focus on their diseases and their savagery and their differences. Not this guy. But he generally only took pictures of unwrinkled Healthy people between thirteen and or fourteen and forty. So he was. That was how he romanticized it. Yes. Also. Yeah. He says, "Oh, look, look what 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 great lives they lead." They, well, this is the noble savage myth, right? Right. These they're they're living a, a pure lifestyle. Uh, they've got six pack six pack. Right, and, and they're better because I'm here. Right. That's the idea. Uh, or 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 uh, they they will be better. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm here. Well, because what he does is he, he takes part in their lives. He heals some of them. Uh, well, you know, and all of this is according to his own writings, of course. But he uh, he heals some of their diseases. But he also, um, in order to show them who the master was, he also takes part and burns some of their villages. And he also hangs the son of a chieftain who he said Jeez. was crazy. Wow! So well, he's both fuck. romanticizing them and being and infiltrating them. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, establishing dominance in a in a. Uh, so it seems like a typical divide and conquer type scenario, right? Well, I don't know how much division is happening, but he's definitely conquering. If he's burning villages and not others, I think that's pretty classic. Oh yeah, like hey, <laughs> or if he blamed it on the other guys. Yeah, it, yeah, be, yeah. Be, because he's constantly between these two worlds, between uh, huh. showing them as they are, but also uh, uh, being making them into what he wants them to be. God, and this, this is, is what so all of his all of his pictures. And he, but he, he's in love with, with so many ideas of these men. He writes of them, he says, Many of the men are very good-looking, as they have none of the thick lips, high cheekbones, and flat noses of the Negro type, though the women are rather of the hot-and-tot Venus order of beauty. Hot-and-tot? Hot-and-tot Venus was, it was a racist term for uh, black women with, with, with big asses, basically. Huh. Because there was a... There was a woman who was abducted and brought to England yes. called Hot and Todd Venus, That's and she right. was put on show because she had she a She had a big huge butt. ass, man. I almost profiled her. I have a book called uh, The Erotic Engine that I'm reading. <laughs> and yeah, they, they've abducted this big ass chick from Africa, and they start parading her around mm. Europe because of her exceptional uh, curvature. That's great. Hot and Todd. That's great. It's perfect for a profile. Well, Owing <laughs> to the... Listen, the th these white people have done horrible things, John. I don't know if you know about it. <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. I know. You're you're in your liberal bubble. Shut the fuck and up. And you, you think idiot. that Western civilization is God's gift to mankind. But I got news for you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's been a lot of bloodshed. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, so you can, <laughs> is that about right? Yeah, so you can drink your fucking Miller Lite. <laughs> uh-huh. And sit there and look at me in the eyes. Right. And, and speaking into your microphone, uh, there's a, a lot of blood has, has been shed. Right. There's been a lot of crimes against humanity committed. Mm -hmm. and, and, and One of them is you not eating before this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, you, know, you saw me eat three bags of chips. That's not going to cut it, I don't think. Well, I, I got a high burn rate. <laughs> got a high burn Should have had that apple. <laughs> So he's generally he's taking pictures of of attractive men, and uh, there's a picture here. And you know, because part of this is is part of his fantasy. Uh, you know, he it, one of these pictures is is, uh, is he calls the athletes because he said he discovered several sportsmen among them: a gymnast, 
a cyclist. What? They didn't have. They didn't bikes. have bikes. Right. Bikes. And so and so, <laughs> in his pictures and descriptions, <laughs> these people are both lazy but also athletic. If only they had a white man to show them the way. But is that because he can't he can't decide on the narrative? No, it's it's because he wants them to be more so many things. He wants he 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 wants to admire them because he does admire them and he wants to establish that. He doesn't want people to look down on them. But why but, is he also depicting them as being lazy? Because, because he's he, the white savior. Because he can't help himself. Because that's who he is. He's oh. still a colonial at the yes. end of the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, it, 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 it's it's it, if only they had a white man to guide them. But obviously to... they already do. He's just not picking a narrative, and I don't understand why. Well, he just got there. Well, because, no, <laughs> this is over the course of twenty years. <laughs> well, that's a blink of an eye in, <laughs> sure, in, in sure, historical sure. terms. But as Sen writes, it's superficial National Geographic. So he wants them to be natural, but he also wants them to conform to his idea of what natural right. is. Right, right. Hey, yeah. Uh, just, just hold that tusk, uh, turn to the left and hold the tusk. So, so here's a picture he took of the athletes, and you can say these are three men who would look good in any age. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't need him to dress them up and pose them. The pose they're in is a classical Greek pose. Okay. He doesn't have to do that, but he chooses to. Huh. Okay, yeah. These guys look great. Pretty sharp. Pretty sexy. Oh yeah, you're gonna love it. All right, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Do these guys shave their pubes for this? Are they naturally hairless? No, no, no. They have hair. No, dude, I'm I'm looking at some pretty fucking hairless. See a lot of definition. No, these they're they they look like the statue of David. Yeah, you know exactly. They, they, well, because part of that is how he he made he, them pose. He did like. that on purpose. Well, he, all, didn't, he didn't make them get they cut. Also, it also looks like a fucking H and M ad. They're just yeah. kind of hanging out. It's, these are kind of just normal There's poses. Some hot dudes hanging out. Yeah, it's a good time. Well, okay, here's his here's his description. Here's his, it's not like hot fuck action fuck action to the max, Jack. These are they're just a couple of guys hanging out with some necklaces. Right, high cheekbones. Uh, and so he also takes pictures of every process of their work and them making things. This is what he he says, My object in the ph- photographic part is to show every step of the making of a weapon. So clearly that with the assistance of the Finnish articles now in the British Museum, he would send things back, it would be possible for European workmen to imitate the mode of work. Attention is always drawn to letterpress to any notable peculiarity, which can be not, not be expressed photographically. So he's trying to uh, uh, spread... Their ideas, you know, so Europe can can kind of like so, make them real uh, in Europe as well. And so know? it's kind of like people fetishize. We're not. Fe- he is. Fe- not, he is fetishizing well, it, them. In today's terms, you know, you have the you have the paleo diet, right? Let's uh, a, like a kind of superficial return to our prehistoric roots, mm-hmm. right? Oh well, let's do the paleo diet. Well, here's the paleo diet. Not a lot of food in general. Yeah. Right, so it's kind of this uh, romanticization yeah. of, of of a lifestyle. Yeah, right. If only we could do what they did. Oh, we would. Oh, be we'd so all much... be ripped and hairless. Right, right. With some very nice necklaces. This is very, very nice. It's good photography. But odds you are, cut it. those are not. The, that's not the, the that's not the typical Sentinelese. Those right. are the fucking top of the top hot guys that every guy, girl, and. And bore on the island wants to fuck. Nor are we even certain that the, that's what they—that's the jewelry that oh, they right. would wear. Who knows? Yeah. He could have that's just, him yeah. again. He stole it from some other island down the road. So, so along with the photography, he also he you know the posing. He also cataloged them. And here's a picture of he would have 
them line up and pose by a, a two like a checkered board pattern, two inch by two inch. You would have a, a, a metal pole uh, uh, pressing against their, their the back of their head. And, so they stood at, straight? And their back, so they stood straight. Huh. And then he would measure, here's a picture of, of that. And then he would catalog and measure every single part of their body that oh, he could. Oh, God. Including? We'll get there. Earlobes, so, earlobes. He would take what he called observations on external characters. Skin color. Graded from black to rosy white. Even skin color that the sun doesn't reach. So skin color under folds. He would measure that too. Eye color. Fold of skin at inner angle of eye. Color of all hair. He would measure the color of every single hair everywhere in the body. Ugh, God. It's degrading. It's like the fucking NFL draft. Shape of face. Long and narrow. This is the types of face. Long and narrow. Medium. Short and broad. Pyramidal. Wedge-shaped. Profile of nose, straight, aquiline, concave, turned up, hybrid, sinuous or wavy, Chinese type, negroid type, australoid type. Type of lips, thin, medium, thick, averted. And then he had his essential measurements. Hand, foot length, upper limbs, kneeling height, standing height, things like that. Then he had his additional measurements. I love additional. Hips, shoulders, ear, breath, odor. Mm. And then he had the sex stuff. Odor. Shit! Which he would catalog, this is what he writes of one woman, big pendulous breasts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, what, what, like, they don't swing anywhere else? <laughs> it's a rhythm. <laughs> what are you talking about? They're pendulous. It's swing. Well, I mean, you can, pendulous could, they could, that could be German pendulous, or... <laughs> pendulous, I mean... It's not like these people invented pendulous breasts. He was just categorizing them. No, yeah, I mean, it's not that good a descriptor is what I'm saying. Well, some are perky and uh, taut. All right, fair and enough. And he did note firm would also, firm was also another characteristic of breasts. See, John? Uh, and then for all of the uh, penis and testicles, he would measure those. For what, Here's one description. Atrophied testicles, both being hard, but the size of hedge sparrow eggs. <laughs> Atrophied. Another one. Penis small with moderate-sized prepuce. Moderate-sized prepuce. A moderate prepuce. So we're, ta- we're talking prepuce. about a moderate-sized prepuce. We're talking about a softy. Yes. Moderate-sized softy. Mm-hmm. But the balls are At- atrophied from some no well, nothing. That was a different person. The oh, other guy was atrophied. I mean, this, uh, this other guy he wrote, genital is fully developed, but small. Huh. That's big. Compared and- to what, dude? Well, it's also, I mean, he's towering above these people, too. He's like, a, you know, a much, a much larger man, you know? I don't know. I think I think he's just trying to fucking shame a whole uh, genotype of people. Oh, you think he's he's, 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 catalog- yeah. he's cataloging two Britain? Everybody, oh, man, all, they're all tiny dicks. Everybody's are small. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys have conquered oh, everything. Man. The uh, prep use is don't worry, actually. don't worry, ladies of Europe. You have the best in the world. Yeah. So he also cataloged foreskin. The prep use is the foreskin. So he was saying small penis, but wow, well, foreskin. Huh? Check out the foreskin on this guy. And also this uh, this one other guy he wrote five skin. For uh, <laughs> this one other guy he wrote penis circumcised accidentally. What? <laughs> <laughs> the story was he fell he fell out of a tree and it got cut Holy on bark. Holy shit! Yikes! Accidental, Accidental circumcision. circumcision. Yeah. You, all the ladies are like, hey, this is a lot better. <laughs> Looks beautiful. This guy that fell out of a tree, I'll tell you. 
is gorgeous. Oh, I can see everything. <laughs> Oof. So he did this for 20 years, measuring every single person uh, on the island. How did it? These, again, these are the Anamanese. Mm-hmm. The Senegalese would not, definitely would not go for this. No. But this one guy shows up and everybody's lining up to get their fucking dicks measured? Because he was burning villages. He had a, he had a whole uh, army. Industry behind yeah. him. The whole point of the, the clearing was where they brought convicts, where they subjugated these uh, people. Where, God, what a Where nightmare. Britain basically just decided they had... Just brute force. You don't yeah. have a choice. Line up. We're measuring your dicks. And, you know, and, you know, it, at, at some point it became... Uh, "Quote unquote friendly," you know, when they when they when the subjugation had had been realized, you know. Um, Ugh. But he did this for twenty years. Twenty Ugh. years of measure. And in uh, nineteen hundred, he uh, retired due to uh, citing poor health. Hmm. Um, apparently, according to his obituary, he was often sickly. But it, to do the work he did doesn't seem like it would be the work of a sickly man. But uh, he retired, and he went back to England, where he basically disappeared, and uh, was unheard of. According to his obituary, he he uh, uh, did some journalism, which no one can find. During World War II, he did valuable Secret Service work, which again, there's no uh, uh, word of. Um, right, he's got to be just like some kind of emissary to those islands or whatever. Right, like, yeah, 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 something like that. Um, when he when he died, he left most of his money, which wasn't much, to his manservant. Ah. Uh. Um, but he did later. He did seem to recognize that being in touch with these people was not good for them. Right. And he would make. He later made a speech. <laughs> they started a cargo call of just measuring each other's dicks. <laughs> and he would say, um, uh, 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 "Color of each other's ass hairs and shit." Of the North Sentinelese, he would say. Uh, we cannot be said to have done anything. Other, uh, do, we cannot be said to have done anything more than increase their general terror of and hostility to all comers. Yeah, and of the general enemies, he said, so as long so long as they were left to themselves and not in any way interfered with by outside influence or their customs, food, etc., altered, they would continue to live. But when we came amongst them and admitted the air of the outside world with consequent changes to suit our necessities, not there, they lost their vitality. Which was wholly dependent on being untouched, and the end of the race came. Oh, God. By now, Man. like their numbers today have been uh, have decreased significantly. Mm. Uh, there have been instances of them, you know, interacting with with the Indian government in friendly ways, but for the most part, um, they are dwindling. Uh, dwindling as, as yeah. what happens, and and I think this is pretty. Um, um, so he died in the seventeen or nineteen thirty five. Uh, he was seventy four. Blah blah, but here's here's a, the Jarwa, which were one of the main tribes on the uh, Andaman Island. Uh, at one point, they had uh, one of the women had a white baby, and the tribe the tribe killed it. Wow. Um, and some people were calling for the tribe to give the baby over to the Indian government, and the chief did not. And this was his reasoning. He said, "If we give this ba- baby over." The world will start shaking, and we will all die. Damn. One of these women had a white baby when? It is like uh, within the last 20, 20 years. Hmm. Uh, huh. Not an albino baby. No. 
A white people, like, um, mixed people. So some dude showed up. Mm-hmm. Wow, man, what a nightmare. Man, he recognized that if we intertwine ourselves with their the whole world, will start to shake. And will end. Our world will start yes. to shake. Yes. Yeah. Because the moment we become part of their system is the moment we cease to exist. Damn. Right. Yeah, but we got the best example mm -hmm. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. He never, uh, this, this fella. So anyway, we're going to punt it into the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to know how they dispatched of it, but presumably that's how it went down. What? <laughs> Did this guy ever, you know, he spent 20 years on the island and never copulated? Well, there's no, um, you know, he wrote... His pullout game was strong. He, in, in effect, he wrote the two, the two authoritative histories of, yeah. of the Andamanese. He wrote one that was basically just a history of them and, and his time with them. And then he wrote another one that was all about contact. There's, there's two volumes. One of them, the, the second one, all about every instance of contact with them that he could find. That yeah. one is, you can find for free on Google. Uh, the other one... Uh, you can buy off Amazon, but it's like 50 bucks. Right. So um, volume one was, I'm not a rapist. Volume two was, yeah. everybody's cocks are smaller than mine. <laughs> Don't ask how I know. But, but, yeah. so he, but, but he presumably did not. Presumably, or, but... Or presumably nobody, none of his uh, colonialist colonizer crew did either. It's hard to believe that they didn't, but there's no... Again, he's writing the record. Yeah. But isn't this thing too, where like like you, like Aaron, you were saying, is everybody, every Westerner, you know, uh, is like escaping something will join, you know, what is considered a primitive tribe or whatever. Yeah, it's but it's even better. even when the even when the colonizer is there, they have like a weird kind of like Stockholm syndrome where they're like, mm -hmm. oh yeah, like maybe this maybe this society is way better. Like maybe we're doing it all wrong. You know, and they get kind of seduced by it. Yeah, but it never happens the other way around. You know, like you never get. No. You don't have the whatever. Yeah, native. Pocahontas wasn't happy to go and tour England. And right. Fuck yeah. it. No, 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 it no. happened with uh, with um, uh, not Geronimo. Um, but I'm saying I think that's what happened with, with, with this fucking guy. Uh, not. Uh, was it Geronimo? They never any any native from any culture. Anytime they are brought into Western quote unquote civilized society. They join back to their to their original state as soon as they can. Yeah, you know, and it's whereas with with white Westerners, they 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 skip town and they join they join native society right away. Yeah, well, sometimes there is like you know kind of the the indigenous person that'll join Western society because they see that they can't. Um, you know, uh, defeat them, and so that they need to uh, kind of get involved in their way of life to to realize how to at, at least kind of like reason with them and combat them on their playing field. That was kind of happening later, you know. Well, the, the, I mean, the white story is always you show up and they don't like you, and then you prove yourself and they accept you. But yeah. but when you do that in white society. They're still racist against you. Oh yeah, totally. So like totally. you can still prove yourself, and they just go, "Oh, he's one of the good ones." Right, right. right. And so anyone who doesn't know you, Squanto, Squanto. It was Squanto. Squanto spent time in like England and France and all that shit. Right. Spent time at the court of the king and all that stuff. But then like came, you know, when he came back, it was like, dude, I'm I'm going back to like native life because it's fucking way better. Yeah. It never happens the other way around. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's what I think. I think this guy, even as a colonizer, was seduced by by the life. And knowing it's going all around you, even if even if you're the colonizer on the island and you have all the power and you have all the guns and you can make everybody line up and measure their fucking pubes, right. you know that all this life is going on around you and that they have this, this probably better way of life that's more fair and, and kind of honest right. than what you're doing. Right. So you are, like, seduced by it and you're, like, kind of, like... Well, yeah, you you the, you start studying it. Yeah, but you're kind of also dreaming about being a part of it. I think. Of course, of course, of course. And I wonder that that he that he never dabbled. And I mean, I I think so much of it is that when things are invented and a new culture comes over, their perception, their ideas are forced onto yours. And uh, there's this book about. Um, it's kind of about architecture. It's called. It's not a book. It's a. It's an old Japanese writing called "In Praise of Shadows," mm. and in it, I forget the author's name, but he writes basically like, wh- "What would be like if Japanese had invented the fountain pen? What would that pen be like uh-huh. compared to the pen it is now?" Yeah, and it would be there would be a way that would be more essential to and and fit better in Japanese life than than the the Westerner fountain pen. Uh-huh. Right. What what if what if the, the Japanese had, if if their idea of um, a rifle or a house or whatever had been the one that swept over, right, 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 right. The power dynamics involved is are or the first to a thing, so often determines what everything that comes after. It. And you know the Chinese forever they had gunpowder. What they do? They made fireworks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And what did what did Europe do? They made things to kill people. Right. right. Yeah. Well, they shot rockets. The Chinese shot rockets, but mainly fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which is, you know, cooler. But fireworks are great. Yes. Super cool. But you know what's cooler than that? (laughs) What, a death machine war? Yeah, killing people. (laughs) (laughs) But also, I would think, like, if I was showing up there back in the day and, like, there was a bunch of fireworks going off, I'd be like, holy shit, I'm going to get the fuck out of here. This is a nightmare. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a cool yeah, nightmare. Well, Fourth but, uh, of July wasn't invented yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's when fireworks got their comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah. Before that, I was like, man, we have this incredible tool for celebration and barbecues. I'm like, <laughs> man, wait till the Americans show up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But also, the Chinese really didn't have uh, to to speak about gunpowder and whatnot. You know, part of the part of the reason that 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 the West employed gunpowder in the way they did mm-hmm. is because they were in a you know a maelstrom of different cultures fucking enforcing right. each other's views on each other in never ending warfare for a millennia whereas right. the Chinese were kind of like a, a singular entity for a, a thousand years yeah they yeah yeah they, thousands they, of years history yeah you know they Nobody ever talks about, I mean, I know we're kind of getting off track here, mm-hmm. but, like, the Chinese were the first to a lot of shit mm-hmm. and ran shit for a super long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one of the things my history teacher told me when I was a kid. He was they like, didn't need to use it as, as gunpowder. Right, yeah, they didn't true. need to make yeah. guns because they ran shit yeah, anyways. Yeah, a lot of it is necessity, but when that necessity is then forced on yeah. another culture that doesn't need it. But right. the idea of, like, America being, like, this poured over historical thing, it's, like, 200 years old, and it's like, yeah, the China's, like, yeah. It's thousands of years yeah. of, of history, you yeah. know? Make China great again. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll build, send... build that wall. Let's <laughs> end on that. Even uh, the Chinese wall didn't work. No. No, not at all. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe the best thing, maybe if Trump gets his wall 
And we will close out on this. <laughs> Maybe if Trump gets his wall. Yeah. Best case scenario for him. It's a Chinese tourist attraction in a thousand years. <laughs> right. Yeah, that would be great. The people taking their pictures on top of it. Look at us. <laughs> Look at this <laughs> former empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On top of Trump's wall. Yeah. It's actually a bunch of steel slats, but... You, you know there are people buried in here. <laughs> I, hope the, I hope the Mexican Mongols uh, parade through it. Mexican Mongols, my, my, my favorite uh, motorcycle game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's call it there. Hey. I'm going to say good night, everybody. My name is John Fahey. I'm Aaron Pita. Episode. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>